0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host, Alec Callahan, and the news just keeps coming as we head toward the end of 2023. We got numbers, we got updates on the films we talked about in the last episode, and a big streaming update with Netflix opening their books on just what people were watching. Let's start with the domestic top five. Opening in first place is The Boy and the Heron with $12.8 million. In second place was the Hunger Games, the Battle of Songbirds and Snakes with 9.4 million for a total now of $135.7 million. Third place was Godzilla Minus 1 with 8.3 million for a total of 25.3 million. In fourth place was Trolls Band Together with 6.2 million for a total of $83 million. And in fifth place was Renaissance with $5.3 for a total of $49.4 million. So yeah, The Boy and the Heron had a fantastic opening and is now Hayao Miyazaki's uh, Studio Ghibli and G-Kid's biggest opening domestically. As for how it got to first place, I think it got there due to multiple reasons. First, G-Kid did a proper wide release of it being in 2,205 theaters. This was not a limited release by any means. Also, the reviews for the film have been stellar, and at this point you have a generation of people who have heard of some of Miyazaki's movies, if not have watched most of them. I will say the big thing now is, will this play as a typical anime movie with a strong opening weekend, right, because all the fans came out, and then a sharp drop on the second weekend, or... Will it be like other movies and play more normally? The other Japanese movie that's also in theaters, of course, I'm talking about Godzilla Minus One had a good weekend. It only dropped 31%, and I was right in that the theater count would increase with it expanding 232 theaters. I think what is also clear now is there is a great word of mouth from audiences saying, hey, you need to see this film. Uh, It's a great Godzilla movie, and people are showing up. In China, the Invisible Guest opened in first place with twelve point six million dollars. In second place was Love Life Light, which debuted to nine point nine million, and with previews is now at fourteen point four million. Third place was So Long for Love with seven point one million for a total of twenty six point four million dollars. Fourth place was Bursting Point with an opening of seven million and with previews is now at eight million dollars. 5th place was Across the Furious Sea with $5.7 million for a total of $72.3 million. As for the new Hollywood films, they did not open great. Wonka debuted in 6th place with $3.2 million and Migration opened to $1 million in 8th place. Taylor Swift The Heiress Tour will be debuting in Chinese cinemas on December 31st with Alibaba Pictures distributing. Also, La La Land is getting a re-release. It is being distributed by JL Films and will come to theaters on December 22nd. I'm surprised it's getting a re-release. Hopefully, it does decent numbers. In South Korea, 12-12 today continues to have a strong performance at the box office. It came in first place for the third weekend in a row, earning $11.4 million for a total of $50.9 million. It is the 3rd highest-grossing movie in South Korea for 2023. For international numbers, both Wonka and Migration opened in good amount of markets. Wonka earned $43.2 million in its debut, while Migration earned $6.5 million. I will say for Migration, it did open in less countries than Wonka, so that one is going to be more of a slow burn for its rollout. Napoleon made $16.1 million for a worldwide total of 170.8. million, at this point, it does look like it'll make two hundred million dollars. Wish made another twelve point one million to finally pass the one hundred million uh, milestone, and is now at one hundred five point five million. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is now at two hundred and seventy-nine million. Trolls band together is at one hundred seventy-three point eight million, and Killers at a Flower Moon is now at one hundred fifty-five point five million worldwide. Let's start off the news in Hollywood with a series of updates on films we talked about last week, Uh, with Deadline having the exclusive on them. There have been a few films that were being pitched around Hollywood, and well, they've been bought. So first is the Global Heist film, starring Ryan Reynolds and produced by himself, uh, Simon Kinberg, and with a script written by Dana Fox. Netflix won the highly contested bidding for it and along with that, Sean Levy has signed on to direct the movie. He and Reynolds have worked on a few movies together so far now, including Free Guy, The Atom Project, and currently, uh, Deadpool 3. The second film was Best of Enemies. This is the Cold War spy film that will star Bradley Cooper and Christian Bale. Amazon MGM Studios won the bidding, with Deadline reporting that it was down to Amazon and Warner Brothers. The last one was Naughty. This is the comedy film that will be directed by Olivia Wilde, where Universal have bought that one. Deadline has the exclusive on another film package that was bought with Warner Brothers buying Calamity Hustle. This is an action comedy film in the vein of Lethal Weapon and will star Ryan Reynolds and Channing Tatum. Adam and Aaron Nee will both direct and write the script for it as well. The actors will play as brothers who grew up on the other side of the law, with Reynolds being a cop and Tatum's character being a low-level criminal. Deadline is reporting that the hope is this will start a franchise and it sounds like it'll be a fun movie. This week, we got the Golden Globe nominees for movies. Barbie got the most with nine nominations, including Best Motion Picture for a musical or a comedy, while Oppenheimer got eight nominations, including Best Motion Picture Drama. For TV, Succession was the clear favorite with nine nominations, with FX's The Bear coming in second place with five nominations. And if we zoom out to a total of film nominations by distributor, Netflix got the most with 13, Warner Brothers with 12, and A24 and Universal tied with 11 each. The awards will be held on January 7th, 2024. Focus Features announced that the Amy Whitehouse biopic, Back to Black, will hit U.S. theaters on May 10th, so about a month after it releases in the U.K., In an exclusive from Deadline, we now have a new release date for White Bird, which has been delayed a few times. It was set to come out this past August, but was pulled due to the strikes. It will now come out October 4th, 2024, and will now be counter-programming to anyone who doesn't want to see Joker fully at the Lionsgate has announced that Saw 11 is in development. And not only that, but it's on the fast track, with it set to come out September 27th, 2024. While horror movies have been able to be produced fast, I wonder if this is coming in a little too fast. Unless they already have some ideas on what a sequel would have been, it feels like this is being rushed. But I understand Saw Saw 10 did good for Lionsgate at the box office, so obviously they want another one. An exclusive from Deadline, Sony has won the theatrical distribution rights for two more Apple original films. This will see them expand their relationship after distributing Napoleon. The first movie is Wolves, starring Brad Pitt, George Clooney, and is directed by John Watts. The second movie is Project Artemis, starring Scarlett Johansson, Channing Tatum, and is directed by Craig Berlanti. While no release dates have been set yet, the expectation is that they will be released sometime in 2024. Personally, I'm looking forward to Wolves. Sounds like it'll be great. Jason Momoa is hinting that his time as Aquaman might be over, after Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom comes out. In an interview with ET online, he said this, quote, the truth of it is, I mean, if the audience loves it, then there's a possibility, but right now I'm like, it's not looking too good. End quote. This isn't surprising because considering how the EU movies performed at the box office this year, DC Studios is probably looking forward to moving on and work on the DCU. Keeping Moa around as Aquaman would muddy that a bit and make it more confusing for audiences. Now. If on the off chance the movie comes in, makes a billion, then there might have to be discussions. But at this point, that's not happening. And I think as long as it does better than The Flash, they will consider it a success and move on. Sadly, we had some deaths in Hollywood this week. Andre Braugher died at the age of 61 due to lung cancer. He's most recently known for his role in the hit TV show Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but he did appear in other shows and movies as well, including Glory, She Said, Thief, and Men of a Certain Age. Shirley Ann Field died at the age of 87. She appeared in numerous films, including The Entertainer, It's a Wonderful World, House of the Living Dead, and My Beautiful Laundronette. Jack Axelrod died at the age of 93. He was most known for his role in the soap opera show General Hospital, but also had guest roles in other shows, including Hill Street Blues, Modern Family, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and in films as well, including Super 8 and Transformers Darker the Moon. We did get an update on Matthew Perry with the toxicology report saying he died due to acute effects of ketamine. Thoughts and prayers are with their families as they go through this terrible time. May they rest in peace. And as always, fuck cancer. In a casting update, Naomi Scott is set to star in the upcoming Smile sequel. The horror film is set to come out October 18th. Deadline is exclusively reporting that Marvel Studios have hired Matthew Orton to write new scenes for Captain America Brave New World. Filming those scenes will be done sometime by summer, with film still set to come out February 2025. I'm curious how many new scenes are being added in, and why didn't they get the original writer back? I take it that testing for the film must've been really bad, especially since they pushed it to next year. Uh, again, before the strikes, this film was technically fully finished. Yeah, you might have to reshoot or two when the strike was over, but it finished its production before Deadpool 3. So, and what will probably be become the biggest story of 2024 over a Paramount, it looks like Sherry Redstone is seriously considering selling. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Paramount is looking to lay off a thousand employees, possibly in early 2024, to cut down on cost. This comes as Puck reports that both Skydance and Redbird Capital are talking to Redstone about selling national amusements. Basically how it works is Sherry Redstone owns National Amusements, which owns 10% of Paramount's shares, but with how the shares and voting rights are set up, they have 77% of the voting rights for the company. So a potential buyer does not have to, in theory, buy Paramount straight up. They could just buy National Amusements, and then they would have majority control of the company. This does not come as a surprise, as Paramount has long been rumored to be bought out at some point. And while they are working hard to get Paramount Plus profitable, with the ad sales business dragging down their income from the cable channels, they have less time and money to work with. Hopefully the layoffs don't happen. Indeed, Disney-Trian proxy fight, Nelson Peltz is nominating himself and former Disney CFO Jay Rasulo to the board of directors. While we will have to wait until the annual shareholder meeting to see if the shareholders actually vote for them, Disney has responded and has said, in the meantime, the board's governance and nominating committee will evaluate the nominees and give a recommendation to the board. I assume the recommendation will be a no. As for if shareholders will actually vote them to the board, right now I'm going to say no for the simple fact that Peltz needs to unveil an actual plan. Like, okay, Disney could be doing better. Great. What's your plan? And it can't be list stuff like, oh, well, the share price should be how it was a few years ago, Right. Yeah, look, we'd all love that, but that's not going to happen. That was a different time, and that was a different market. If he is serious, he needs a detailed plan on how he thinks Disney can do better. Letterboxd is adding movie showtimes to its website and app. The new feature is currently in beta in select countries. How it works is when you view a film's profile on Letterboxd. It will show you if there are any upcoming showtimes over the next week. The company is working with Assemble for this. Deadline has the exclusive on this, and that is Steven Yoon and Christina O oh have started a production company called Celadon Pictures. The plan for the production company is to produce both films and shows. Good for them. Dwayne Johnson is working with A24. It was announced that he will play Mark Kerr, an MFA fighter in the Smashing Machine, with Benny Safi directing and writing the script. Safi and Johnson have apparently been working on this for a bit with Johnson's production company, Seven Bucks Productions, uh, getting the rights to make the film back in 2019. Hey, look, if Johnson is going to stretch his acting chops in this movie, that's great because I can't wait. Look, the man can act. If he wants to do so with A24 financing and sappy directing, this has the makings of a great film. There's another movie in the works at A24, and that is a film adaptation of the video game Death Stranding. A24 and Hideo Kojima announced together, that A24 and Kojima Productions will work on making the film. Previously, it was announced that the film would be made by Hammerstone Studios. It is now being reported that they will remain attached to the project, but as an executive producer and co-financer. Since Kojima Productions has been focused on video games since it was set up, this will be the company's first feature film. For the announcement, Kojima said this about A24, quote, A24 was born into this world about 10 years ago. Their presence is singular within the industry. They are like no other. The films they are delivering to the world are high in quality and very innovative. I have been attracted to their creations, and they have even inspired my own work. End quote. No word on who will be directing, writing, or who will star in it, so it has ways to go. Personally, I'm more excited for this film now that A24 is involved. I love the game, and playing it at the start of the pandemic made it a very unique experience. Also, for video game adaptations, this is at least visually one of the easier ones to translate the film. To a degree, like there are some, say, creatures in the game that might not translate well, but compared to other video games, this can translate. I uh, can't wait for it. For other movies in development, The American Girl Doll is set to get a film adaptation. It is set to be written by Lindsay Anderson Beer and is being produced by Mattel Films, Temple Hill Entertainment, and Paramount Pictures. Considering the massive success of Barbie, this isn't a surprise. In exclusive from Deadline, a new film called Internal Return, just wrapped filming. It is a romance film and stars Naomi Scott, Kit Harington, and Simon Callow. The film is being produced by Village Roadshow, Marco and BK Studios, with Bill Kenwright as a producer. Amazon MGM Studios have been busy with Deadline, having the exclusive on the next three stories. They are reporting that Pete Davidson is joining the upcoming film, The Pickup. The film is a heist comedy starring Eddie Murphy and is directed by Tim Story. The studio have hired Taylor Chakru to write a script for The Truth About Mr. Claus. This is a new film in development at the studio that is an adaptation of the book with the same name. The studio has also signed a first look deal with Alan Richson and his production company, Alley Cat Entertainment. I take it with Reacher uh, doing big numbers for Prime Video. Amazon wants to try and keep Richson in the family which makes sense. we got a few trailers this week as well. Warner Brothers put out a new trailer for The Color Purple. The musical is set to come out December 25th. The studio also released another trailer for Dune Part 2. still looks fantastic. Can't wait for it. Comes out March 1st. Universal and DreamWorks released the first trailer for Kung Fu Panda 4. It's set to come out March 8th. The first teaser trailer for IF was released. The film comes from Paramount Pictures. Is directed and stars John Krasinski, as well as Ryan Reynolds. Steve Carell, Emily Blunt, and Kaylee Fleming. Comes out May 17th, 2024. Deadline had the exclusive on this trailer, but from Bleecker Street, the first trailer came out for The Way We Speak, starring Patrick Fabian, and is written and directed by Ian Ebright. You would know Fabian from Better Call Saul. Great show. Uh, No word on when the film comes out. Finally, A24 released the first trailer for Civil War. The film is directed by Alex Garland and stars Kristen Dunst, Wagner Manora, Jesse Clemens and Nick Offerman. It looks good, but I gotta say it is kind of weird seeing Garland make what seems to be more of an action thriller compared to his previous work. It comes out April 26th. We start off EOD Premium with Apple TV Plus, where they have a new show in development called Your Friends and Neighbors. It's a drama starring John Hamm with Jonathan Troper set as the showrunner. Also, Apple TV Plus has renewed platonic for a second season. This was the show starring Seth Rogen and, uh, Rose Byrne. Byron. Over at Stars, they have renewed Power Book 4 Force for a third season. The show recently finished season two. At Hulu, it was announced that the creator will be available to stream starting December 20th, right in time for the holidays. Hulu will also be getting the first episode of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which premieres on December 20th, On the 20th, Disney Plus will get the first two episodes and weekly releases after that, while Hulu will just get the first episode until January 31st. So unlike other shows where they would be available on both, Disney is clearly using Hulu here to try and get more people to watch on Disney Plus. We will see if that works out for them. Amazon Prime Video has renewed Good Omen for a third and final season. The show starring Dave Tennant and Michael Sheen had its second season released over the summer. At Paramount, the Showtime cable channel will have its rebrand on January 8th, 2024. After that, it'll be called Paramount Plus with Showtime. Besides the channel rename, the channel will start to air select Paramount Plus shows as well. We got confirmation from HBO and Larry David himself that the upcoming season of Curb Your Enthusiasm will be the last. With that, the season will premiere on February 4th with the series finale airing April 7th. Stanley Tucci is heading to National Geographic for his next docuseries called Tucci, the heart of Italy. It'll be 10 episodes and produced by BBC Studios Specialist Factual Productions and Salt Productions, which is Tucci's uh, production company. No word on if this will also be available on Disney+, Plus, considering they have National Geographic on it. I would think so, but not confirmed. The series seems to be similar to the one he did for CNN, As it will focus on Italian cuisine. Here is Stanley Tucci's statement uh, about the new show: "National Geographic is all about adventure and exploration, and I am honored to take viewers once again to explore Italy through the lens of food. In Italy's many distinct regions, there is always something new to discover, and I'm more than excited to begin the process in partnership with BBC Studios." Disney is adding an English dubbed version of their hit Korean show Moving. The show is available to watch on Hulu, and the original will still be available as well. I take it Disney is getting a bit more serious in getting people to watch their international content. Netflix is famous for having multiple dubbings for their originals. For Disney+, Plus, a new Marvel animated show was announced called Eyes of Wakanda. The show will focus on Wakandians traveling the world to retrieve dangerous vibranium artifacts, and the director of the two Black Panther films, Ryan Coogler, is involved with the project. Right now, it's set to come out sometime in 2024. Variety has the exclusive on this story, and that is Warner Brothers Discovery has made a deal with Tubi to license DC films and shows. While they will be available at different times, some available now, some in 2024, it includes most of the DCEU, including Black Adam, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman 1984, and Birds of Prey. Even non EU movies are included, with the biggest being the Batman and DC animated films are also a part of the deal. Along with the licensing deal, Warner Bros. Discovery is getting new channels on Tubi, including Warner Bros. TV, classic cinema, generation drama, living with evil, and more. Look my stand on this is as long as the films are still available to watch on Max, then this works out for everyone. Warner Bros. Discovery gets more cash to pay down the debt, Tubi gets access to bigger movies and people have more ways to watch. Like, once they are available on Tubi, let's take Batman, for example. Right now, if it's on Tubi, you'd be able to watch the Batman on Max, Netflix, and Tubi. So, that's great for everyone. Hopefully the company gets a good check out of it. The Financial Times is reporting that Redbird IMI are in advanced talks to buy UK production company All3Media, with the price being around $1.26 billion. This is the investment group run by Jeff Sucker, who was the former head of CNN, and Gary Cardinal. As for all three media, they have produced shows like Fleabag and The Tourist. They are owned by Liberty Global and Warner Brothers Discovery. That's right. If this deal goes through, the company will get a nice cut of that $1 billion to pay off more of their debt. In Spain, movie star has made deals with Warner Brothers Discovery, Comcast, and Paramount. With Warner Brothers Discovery they have extended their deal to license content from the company to Movie Star Plus plus as well as keep airing their linear channels as well. I'm saying plus plus because when I was writing this out it does clearly say Movie Star Plus with a plus symbol next to it so I'm assuming it's plus plus. But anyway, this comes ahead of Warner Brothers Discovery getting ready to launch Max in Spain in the spring which will then be made available for Movie Star Plus plus customers as well. As for Comcast and Paramount, they have made a deal to get Sky Showtime. Uh, remember, this is the combined streaming service that includes content from Paramount and Peacock. The service launched in the country earlier in the year. It will now be added for Movistar Plus Plus customers. A variety of reports that this will be set up similar to how Apple TV Plus is built into Canal Plus, where those customers just use Canal Plus and Apple TV shows are there without having to go to a separate app. This is a big get for movie Star Plus Plus customers, because they now have their own original content, they're getting Warner Brothers Discovery content, and now Sky Showtime as well. Now, let's wrap up with Netflix, where there's a lot to go over. First, the reviews have come out for Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, and they're not good. Overall, reviewers are pretty negative on the film, with it right now having a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a sharp drop from his last movie on Netflix, Army of the Dead, which got 67%. I mean, as long as people watch it, then the movie will still do okay for Netflix. The issue is how many people will have any interest in part two coming out in a few months. Deadline has the exclusive on this, and that is Noah Baumbach is directing a new film on Netflix, and George Clooney and Adam Sandler are set to star in it. Clooney and Sandler is a good pairing for a film, so I'm looking forward to it. Bridgerton season three has its release date set, and yes, it will be coming out in two parts. Part 1 of Season 3 will come out May 16th, and Part 2 will come out June 13th. Netflix has bought the rights to The Tourist TV show, starring Jamie Dornan. The show was originally on Mac before it was removed, and back when it was called HBO Max, they were a co-producer for the first season. Now, starting February 1st, the first season will be available to watch on Netflix, with the second season becoming available on February 29th. Now, they did not buy the worldwide rights to the show, and I think this might just be for the U.S. In the U.K., for example, it is still licensed to BBC, and they will be airing the second season starting January 1st. Netflix is now fully in on One Piece, as it was announced at Jump Festa that they will be producing a new One Piece anime called The One Piece. The new anime will be a new adaptation of the hit manga series and is separate from the current anime that is ongoing. Netflix is working with One Piece creator Ichiro Oda and production studio WIT Studio is currently working on it. They have worked on the first three seasons of Attack on Titan, and currently make Spy X Family. This will probably be a hit as the current anime has been running since 1999, so for the first few hundred episodes, this will be basically a remake, seeing those fights in modern-day animation. And look, with the manga having over 1,100 chapters, it will take a long time for it to catch up to the current anime so they can live together and not cause any cannibalization of viewers. On a Netflix Top 10 charts for the week of December 4th to the 10th, Leave the World Behind had a strong debut, placing number one on the Top 10 English Film Charts with 41.7 million views, and is also the most viewed title for the week. Family Switch came in second place with 18.6 million views, Leo came in third with 14.2 million, and the Super Mario Bros. movie came in fourth with 13.6 point two million views on the top 10 English TV shows obliterated came in first place with 9 million views. Now let's get to the big story of the week. And that is Netflix releasing raw viewership numbers for over 18,000 titles for the first half of 2023. Now it does not include every single title and only includes titles that were watched for over 50,000 hours. But Netflix says this covers 99% of their catalog. Also should be noted that this is not using the metric Netflix uses for their top 10, but instead it's just straight how many hours were spent watching something. As for why they released it, co-CEO Ted Sardanos said it was not due to the strikes and the guild requesting the data, but that they have been thinking about it for a while. Quote, So this is not driven by anything differently than that. I think it's really important, that's why I did say earlier, that lack of data, lack of transparency, the unintended consequence was this kind of mistrust this environment of mistrust around the data so this is probably more information than you need but i think it creates a better environment for the guilds for us for the producers for creators and for the press end quote so daniel's also mentioned regarding the viewership data that licensed content was about 45 percent of all viewership on netflix with originals getting 55 percent of viewership I would say he is telling the truth as strikes just ended, but I think part of it now is that they are in the ads business. I think that's a big reason as to why they're releasing this. Companies need to know who is watching what to see if it's worth spending their marketing budget with Netflix. So with this report, Netflix can fix that and tell them, hey, the last six months, this show got this many hours. Do you want to have ads on this? Also, it's a little bit of bragging because they are the number one in subscribers. They almost have 250 million subscribers. You could see this as a call to other streamers to release similar data, right? They have followed suit with a top 10 chart, but are they going to do this? Maybe not for a while, because you know, none of the numbers are going to match up to Netflix. Personally, I appreciate that Netflix is doing this. Uh, I started this podcast just talking about box office numbers. It's grown to cover streaming as well. So getting actual streaming data is fantastic. With that said, though, let's go over some of the numbers. So the most-watched title from January to June of 2023 was The Night Agent, the first season. Uh, It's only one season. It's been renewed for a second. It was watched for 812.1 million hours. Second place was Genie and Georgia, season 2, with 665.1 million hours. Uh, Should be noted, the first season of the show was watched for 302.1 million hours, so if you combine them together... Technically, that would be the most-watched show, because that would beat The Night Agent. Uh, Third place was the South Korean drama, The Glory, with 622.8 million hours watched. And even though Wednesday came out toward the end of 2022, it had staying power, with it watched for 507.7 million hours in the first half of 2023. Also, to me, Beef stood out doing pretty well uh, with 221.1 million hours. The most watched movie was the mother starring jennifer lopez with 249.9 million hours luther the fallen son was a big hit as well with it being the biggest title from the uk and ended up in 20th place with 209.7 million hours watched remember with it just being hours watched films are at a big disadvantage so for luther and the mother these are strong performances the top level things we can take away from this report is that while licensed content represents 45% of viewership, the top 100 titles for hours watched are heavily originals. Also, Korean titles have a lot of viewership, and makes it clear, if it wasn't already, that Squid Game was not a flash in the pan. People globally want to watch Korean content, and Netflix is committing more money there is clearly the smart move. I look forward to the data for the second half of 2023, where we can see which season of Suits or more popular than others. And that is it for a massive episode of Box Office Receipts. There really is a lot going on. If y'all follow me on X, Threads, or Facebook, links to those are in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.